Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers. A podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. We have cocktails in the fridge. Well, some of them are in the fridge. We're joined today by... Rick Sakari, John Curtin, and John Fisher. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us for today. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Um, my first question has to do with distilling in general. Is there anything you absolutely cannot distill into alcohol? I mean, if it ferments, it'll it'll turn to alcohol, and then we can distill it. There uh, has to be carbohydrate. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. yeast eats simple sugar. So whatever you can turn into simple sugar can turn into booze. Huh. It's interesting, you know, being being in New York State uh, and, and the different license classes that exist, um, the most sort of permissive is the is the farm distilling class and 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 what that means is we get a a number of privileges assuming that we're using new york state produced ingredients Hmm. and uh, that's pretty broad for new york state so we have every conceivable grain grows well up here apples ripe wheat corn yep yeah apples a number of fruits grapes even uh you know peaches etc um honey Obviously, maple syrup. If we if we want to go crazy, so we actually have a pretty broad range of ingredients to use. Um, that being said, the, the market kind of dictates that uh, whiskey is the the standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah. Whiskey sales are up. Yeah, like uh, double <laughs> digits. Of the news or <laughs> just the, well, including <laughs> um, exports of American whiskey um, slowed down a little bit last year. I think it was a only a 7% increase, but it was like a 16% increase in whiskey exports in one year. Now, what caused that? The world loves American whiskey. Is it just, they just finding this out? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it. It's really interesting to see that one of the biggest shifts we've seen is towards rye. Um, People are branching out from what they were drinking even five or 10 years ago. Um, I think that goes both for you know, whiskeys and, and and spirits in general. Well, you know, vodka has been the largest selling spirit in the country for decades, and it still is. But Americans had been looking for flavor, which they first found in flavored vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, flavored vodka sales are up for the first time in three years this year uh, because they were going down because Americans were moving from flavored vodkas, of which there are Hundreds Thousands. of yeah. flavors. Yeah. It's it's dozens, <laughs> <laughs> dozens of dozens, <laughs> and and they were starting to drift from flavored vodkas into American whiskey because American whiskey is easier to drink than the foreign whiskeys. Bourbon is more friendly. It's rounder. It's sweeter. Um, Tennessee whiskey is the same essentially, except it's from Tennessee. Um, Scotch and Irish whiskey have a little bit of an edge. You know, mm-hmm. scotch is the smokiness some, most of the time. And Irish whiskey is more delicate, but it's also very dry, kind of like the difference between American wine and, and, and European wine. But so Americans were looking for flavor. They found it in whiskey. The ones who were scared of whiskey the first time they tried it went for flavored whiskeys, like Fireball, which is terrifying. <laughs> um, you know, you know, you can get a three-liter box of Fireball. I, I do know that, and yeah. I don't want to know that. And, and, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, vodka is a, what, a third of the of the total, or 30% yeah, of total, yeah. yeah. Um, and the Irish have responded by diluting their whiskeys. Jameson huh. is, uh, I think, 70% vodka now, because it, it's, it makes it more approachable, but... but Less intense. Wow. Now, is that just for the American market, or do they do that in Ireland, that's, too? That's pretty pretty straight across the board. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, and So 
20 years ago if you bought if you bought a bottle of Jameson off the shelf it was it was pot distilled or or, or some variation of pot distilled uh 7 year old minimum now the Irish standard is a little different from from the standards here but but in Ireland whiskey has to be at least 3 years old so Jameson went from being 7 years old down to 3 years old the bare minimum uh and it went from being pure whiskey to about 70% neutral spirit uh more or less but it's still yeah. aged though right Yes. So the, the so it's not like they the, pour vodka in the bottle. No, it is. Yeah. They, they, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and they added caramel coloring too. That's oh, the, well, I knew yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound. <laughs> no, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, so I'm I'm a little bit biased. So I I lived in Ireland in the early the early aughts. Um, I worked at a pub, and Jameson back then was way different than it is now. And Jameson is the largest selling Irish whiskey in the country, and it has been driving the huge increase in Irish whiskey sales in the country. Um, It used to be people only drank Irish whiskey on March 17th, and when they had Irish coffee, um, it is up, what, almost 80%, 100% in just the last 10 years. And that's because of marketing money paid for by their parent company. It's Pernod Ricard, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I'll say this: I mean, it, it's kind of the gateway drug for people who are afraid of brown spirits. They say, right. "Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a I'm a vodka drinker. I'm a vodka drinker." Well, you know, you can kind of start to try this, and then you get into the fuller whiskeys, and kind of get back to what we were talking about before with rye. I mean, rye has so much complexity to it's it. It's spicy. Oh, it's yeah. spicy. It's got cinnamon. It's, fun. it's got clove. Yeah. <laughs> and for for cocktails, especially it's you know what we were talking before. Yeah, you can enhance so many of those flavors and go in so many different directions it's you know rye for us because the first the first manhattan cocktail was made with rye whiskey and 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 that's the only thing i'll that's the only way i'll drink a manhattan now and that doesn't mean canadian whiskey because that's not real that's not real real rye whiskey can i I ask a question i I wanted to ask you john John earlier what's what's your favorite cocktail Oh, I don't have kids that I know of, so that's a favorite <laughs> child question, maybe. <laughs> um, well, I love the Dacry that we just had mm-hmm. on the air. Especially with um, the Quack Bush rum. If you, if you go if you go into a, you're, you're a new a new city a new bar whatever you walk in what do you what do you order well it's kind of like you know you go to an ice cream place and you get a uh, vanilla, vanilla first yeah. mm-hmm. um, I'll see how good their margarita is margarita, I want to see if the lime juice is fresh uh-huh. I want to see if they use simple syrup or if they use sour mix um, so but that's also, the sort of bellwether is the yeah <laughs> and also see if they know simple basic technique because mm-hmm. there's not much to hide behind in a three ingredient cocktail right you know right. martini is a different story and I honestly actually you, I just remember um, what my favorite cocktail is arguably my favorite cocktail is a Negroni no kidding how about how about Boulevard, <laughs> Boulevardier do you ever do the the bourbon instead which one Boulevardier, oh, uh, yeah. Boulevardier yeah. in the winter yeah. um, I, I I will occasionally have one of those John I'll tell you this the Amber rum, uh-huh. our, our amber rum in a Boulevardier. So you you sub, sub the bourbon yeah, out for that. Yeah, pretty is, nice. She is tasty. Now, can you tell I'll us say, one in Negroni yeah. is real it's quick? The, it's, the, it's it's uh, until about a year and a half ago, I said it's impossible to mess up. <laughs> but I, I I had one at a bar in Hudson. It was messed up. <laughs> um, but leave it. To it's Hudson. challenge accepted. It's yeah. it's, <laughs> it's it's three ingredients that are on almost every bar in the country. Um, it's one ounce of gin, one ounce of sweet vermouth, and one ounce of Campari. There's not even there's not even a complicated ratio to remember. No, it's <laughs> one <laughs> ounce of each, <laughs> and you stir and it with yeah. ice, and you strain it into either over fresh ice in a rocks glass or into an up glass, and orange twist as opposed to a lemon twist, because which the, is which is the key. 
Right, because the main flavor of Campari is is bitter orange, um, and it is the perfectly balanced cocktail because it's only an ounce of gin and vermouth and Campari or lower alcohol. Campari is only 26% alcohol. It's a relatively low alcohol cocktail, but with a lot of flavor. And I know a bunch of bartenders. You know, I'm not a bartender anymore, but I was. I know a bunch of bartenders, very well-known ones, and it's their favorite cocktail as well. Can I blow your mind? Sure. (laughs) Uh, I went to Hamlet and Ghost, Brendan Dillon up in Saratoga, and he did a Negroni, but he subbed the gin with the Death Wish vodka that we make, which is a coffee flavor. And you'd think, Hmm. no way is Campari going to work in it. It is Unbelievable. I, can, I, can, I can see it. It's so good. I, I can I, definitely see it. It feels yeah. like it would be seasonal with fall, too, because the coffee flavor and then you said darker. bitter. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is also remember that their their coffee product is a vodka, so it's not like a heavy sweet coffee. Right. It's it's we the don't, yeah, don't complexity of coffee flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up question. So I, uh, <laughs> and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna just going to take off. Add my, add my, <laughs> I'll add my two So my, my sort of bellwether cocktail is the old-fashioned. How do you feel? What's your what's your? How should an old fashioned be made? There are the two schools yeah, I believe school? are school? both correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> One is the original old Not fashioned, sides. which the you old know it was fashioned old fashioned? the old old. Fashioned. Well, that's why it's called an old fashioned because and this is around here. Hudson, New York, is where the word um, cocktail was cocktail. first written in print. And the farm... And they screwed up a Negroni there. <laughs> <laughs> really how comes full circle. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was um, a bittered sling. And a sling was just booze, sugar, and water. It was to make... Distilling wasn't as good then as it was now. They had fire um, firing the stills so that there were hot spots that were burning the sugar and you would get bitterness and weird off flavors. So they would hide the off flavors by adding water and sugar. And then someone added, started adding bitters. And the first cocktail bitters, you know, they're lots. They're, they're medicinal. That, they're, yeah, they were medicinal. The, yeah. the, the, the Angostura bitters, the most famous one. We just the short term, a shorthand term is ango. Were invented by a German doctor for the German army uh, to aid their digestion. Um, and same thing with Peychaud's bitters were invented in New Orleans by Amadie Peychaud. Um, they are really um, strongly flavored, but people had them around because they were general tonics. And they said, hey, this is a lot of flavor. Put it in there. And so a bittered sling was arguably, some people say, the first cocktail. And because it was old-fashioned, some people would ask for the old-fashioned cocktail. Not one of the fancy ones with juice and everything. I want the the first kind, so I'll have an old-fashioned one. And so that, to a certain degree, that original old-fashioned with just as a bittered sling is one school of thought. Um, Then you get one step more where you have um, a little simple syrup. And then you get out the full-blown where you have the muddled orange and cherry. Mm-hmm. This is the first one I learned how to make. They're all good. Yeah. It's just what you're in the mood for. Right. And I think, and I guess for me, too, it's it's the test of the bartenders. How, if I order an, right. old, order an old-fashioned. Which one do you get? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And if they ask, then maybe they're then, even more professional. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to actually mention that when you were, when we, we had such a lengthy conversation about the martini in, you know, earlier. If you go to a, a bar and you say, hi, can I get a martini? And they just grab a bottle and start making it. I, I, to me, that's a, an indication that they don't know what they're doing. If and they you, didn't if ask you, you s- how you wanted exactly, your steak cooked. If you, exactly. If you say, <laughs> yeah. how would you like this done? That means they are thinking about the customer and they're thinking. They about weren't it. just given like a recipe, I guess. Right. Well, you know, we, we talked 20 different ways to make a martini. 
And yeah, you know, which one are you on, getting? Yeah, based on personal <laughs> preference. It's and, almost like saying, make me a sandwich. Like, okay, <laughs> come on. I got this. Yeah. One slice of bologna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spin the wheel and throw much. anything in there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and it's it's similar. You know, the martini is a variable cocktail. But I would argue that sometimes if you order a martini from a bartender and you see them using the right amount of vermouth and you see that they're going to stir it instead of shaking it and they grab gin instead of vodka, there are cer- certain things that are signs of the bartender being capable, but like when I saw the Negroni being made in Hudson, I was like, oh. What did they, they do? I, 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 <laughs> I can't even they, remember. They started smashing the glass with the bottom of the bottle. That's <laughs> I, always a bad indication. I, I don't even remember, but it was, I think there might have been Campari involved, but it was, yeah, it was pretty heinous. It's just panic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know it's in there. Yeah, yeah something yeah. red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Singapore slang coming up. <laughs> so if you guys had to give, each one of you give a good cocktail for fall, what would your recommendations be? Um, I mean, uh, as we were saying, the, the Negroni with the Death Wish is good. Um, but, you know, going on that old-fashioned, what we did last year uh, for Drink Albany, um, that was our second annual. We got our third annual coming up October 6th. Um, we did an autumn old-fashioned. So you sub the orange and the cherry. We do apples and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And we actually did, instead of just straight rye, um, we make a, an apple brandy with a uh, nine-pin cider called the 10th pin. So you do nice. e- equal parts 10th pin and rye, you know, let it, uh, you know, go over the, the apples and the cinnamon, muddle it up, and it is really, really tasty. Uh, I do a hot rum. So just it's, it's basically a six-ounce cup of boiled water, a measure of rum, a little bit of honey, and then... The secret is you get a, a lemon wedge, and you stick whole cloves into it. That's hmm. the, I've seen that gameplay. So could you put that in a mug and pretend it's tea? That's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> Literally it what like I it. do. Yes, yeah. Uh, and uh, and then by the time sort of New Year rolls around, I, I usually switch to port instead of rum. I, I scale back a little bit, but hot rum is a is a good good fall warmer, fall into winter warmer. And I a um, couple of things. Uh, at some point in the next week or two, um, I am going to declare gin season closed and bourbon season open. Um, it's like, it's like wearing white after every day. A number of friends on Facebook wait for me every year <laughs> to announce it. Um, and I switch, but first of all, there is the, the martini rider. If you're a martini drinker, you can that, Ray will be happy because you can keep drinking martinis if you're a martini drinker. Uh, just as when I close bourbon season, open gin season, the bourbon drinkers are allowed to keep drinking bourbon. Oh, thank God. But I, <laughs> but I, I like, like wearing white after Labor Day. That's right. <laughs> Just not the shoes and the belt. That's a full Cleveland. Um, <laughs> Yowza. But I, I, I like, if, if you are stuck on gin, though, I like to switch from a gin and tonic to a gin gin highball, which is gin and ginger ale with Angostura bitters and a piece of lemon. A nice fall-ish gin drink. But honestly, I just like bourbon and cider. You know, once the cider starts showing up mm. at the farm stands, you know, a piece of lemon brightens it up because a lot of cider is a little bit on the sweet side. Sometimes I'll put a splash of, of Angostura bitters in there to add a little complexity. So at home, simple cocktails like that, um, I'm going to do things um, along those lines. Um, at bars, though, I start looking for more spirit um, cocktails as opposed to juice cocktails, citrus cocktails, and, you know, stirred cocktails. I love mezcal year-round. Mm, the, the smokiness. John, can you... Um, 
let us know when bourbon season starts because we, <laughs> we actually we already <laughs> put a bourbon cider cocktail at, you know we do the hot cider on our menu at That's the okay. an altar boy. You're so. giving you're giving us the blessing. <laughs> Holy, blessing. Yeah. I, I was gonna have to rip up the whole thing. We would close. <laughs> but if if we got the blessing, then uh, yeah. So what are you looking for? Rick, Is it like Rick a... was crying by the way. I don't know if you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> but now the bar opens in a half an hour, and we can go in, and that's gonna be the cocktail that I make right off the rip. You could say that. Uh... Today starts bourbon season, right? So that he can. Is there like no weather? Forcing your hand. Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Things have been cold lately. This doesn't get posted the Monday, so you gotta, you know. The groundhog. It is is weather based. According to meteorology, if I'm not mistaken, September 1st is what they go by. So yeah, meteorological fall. Yeah. It's uh, it's fall now, so. Yeah, but I have to feel it. It's cold out there. You don't feel <laughs> it. I'm Irish, Scottish, and German by descent. This is yeah. warm. Yeah, Jen's yeah. wearing shorts. Just yeah. <laughs> There's a frost this morning. <laughs> All right. So, if you had to bring a cocktail to a deserted island, what would it be? Oh God. Uh, straight whiskey <laughs> <laughs> and lots of ice. Oh, is it a hot <laughs> island or a yeah, cold island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't is think you're going Antarctica? to Svalbard or Greenland. In, I, in Iceland, Arctic? you're bringing just Brennavine. Yeah. Um, you gosh. can do a warm one and a cold one. I'm, I'm back to the Negroni. It's, it's, We've come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's complex. It's not super high alcohol. You can change up the gins and vermouths. Um, there's a bar in uh, Manhattan called Amoria Margo mm. that specializes in bitters. Um, there's not a drop of citrus juice in the whole place, but there's plenty of acid and the things, other ingredients they have. And you can get about 20 different variations of a Negroni there. Mm. Um, um, of course, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, Tover. Yeah, right? yeah. He, he's, he, he started Tover. At, Tover. Yeah. Grace? Topher? No. The actor? No. <laughs> no, not Topher. I was going to say, <laughs> Topher Grace sounds too famous. He, he started at, at King's County, right? Uh, he started, he was at, well, he was a chef first. Mm-hmm. Um, Can Topher Grace play him in a movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Chefs always do make the best bartenders. I can't believe I'm sure. blanking on his name. But he was at um, Booker and Dex that, uh, with uh, Michael Chang first. Who is the guy who worked at King's County Distilling that's, that, who's one of the partners as well? What the hell is his name? It might be him too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a great bar, and you can get twenty different kinds of Negronis there, and um, it's it's just, yeah, it's it's a great cocktail. Um, Going to have to try this. Yeah. Yes. Too. You reminded me earlier the Stockade Stockade Inn. Um, Stockade Tavern. Yeah. Stockade Tavern. Rather, Stockade is Stockade Tavern. Uh, their Jungle Bird. I don't know if you ever had that. That was a. Well, I haven't had it. it. Yeah. It's that's so. If I'm going, if I'm going to tropical, if I'm going to tropical <laughs> island. There you go. The stockade, stockade uh, jungle bird was my, my go-to. Yeah, because I'm thinking of a Negroni on a on an island. I would have to be like in a tuxedo or something. <laughs> I could see you pushing your little cart of. Now <laughs> 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 is your tuxedo just the bow tie? And As, if, oh, you're on a de- if you're on a oh, desert no, that, island, that's Chippendales. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> I think, I think we've really gone down a rabbit hole on this one. Uh, so you guys have any funny stories for us? Oh God. Have well, there was that time that I was wearing just the bow tie. <laughs> so, Thought I was alone you know, on the island. Uh... Um, Cocktail-wise, I guess I'll uh, the I don't know how funny it is, but it's a story. Um, so I, I uh, moved to Ireland after after college, and I got a job at a at a pub there. 
Where in Ireland? Uh, in Dublin. Uh, it was well, it was in Rathmines, so south South Dublin. And uh, I was I was excited because you know it's like the the land of of whiskey, uh, but they don't they don't do cocktails there at all. Or they this is fifteen mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, it's just it, there are bottles of soda. There's ice, and there's spirits. There's no like I thought it'd be like a much more involved mixing job. It was, I pulled pints and, and poured shots. Um, <laughs> and I, I had a friend come visit me, and, and uh, she really wanted an, an Irish car bomb, right? So that's a, <laughs> yeah. the you know, everyone everyone again. This is going back back a little ways. Yeah, college uh, drink. Yeah, exactly. So I just remember very clearly we, we we went to a pub, and so we ordered two pints of Guinness. Drank him down to to a third. Uh, we ordered uh, two shots of Jameson and a shot of Bailey's, and we had to like sit there at the bar <laughs> and assemble our own car bombs. And people were just looking at us like we were out of our minds. <laughs> what are these Americans doing? Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, that's, it. that's all I got. Sorry, that's a short notice here. I was trying to figure out when we were supposed to start laughing. Forewarned, there was there was a story, but it wasn't funny. Yeah. It was entertaining. Most of my though. stories, yeah, it was, you it was know, entertaining. It was a, uh, it was, it was um, interest, an interesting experience. I guess it's the, it was an interesting story. I was, I guess it was one of my first bartending gigs. It was a for a caterer, and we were at the um, um, historical society in Manhattan. And I just, to this day, I still call it the Hysterical Society. <laughs> um, and there were two of us who had worked for the caterer before, and we're behind the folding you know, eight foot tables and we had the bar all set up and we were supposed to have a third bartender join us. And um, so we, we got it set up without him and we're about ready to go. He rolls in and he's about a, looked like he was 60, 64 years old, looked Irish, white hair, you know, kind of pinkish complexion. And I was like, oh, this is great. We're going to have a veteran New York City bartender helping us out at this party. And they, they they opened the doors to the guests and they came flooding in and just uh, mobbed the bar. And since we didn't know him, we put him between the two of us, the two guys who worked together. And um, we started pounding out drinks. And this guy turned to me, the first drink he was pouring, and he said, this guy asked for a scotch and soda. What kind of soda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So I, oh, so I leaned behind him and I looked at the guy, the other bartender, and I said, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, so my my story is actually pretty similar. Uh, it's about being behind a bar with someone who's inexperienced. Um, this goes back to my bartending days when I was over at Six Seventy Seven Prime, and um, three times I think I had Jerry Jennings uh, behind the bar with me as a guest bartender, <laughs> and the very first time, you know, it's uh, he he's scheduled to come in at five o'clock. Like, all right, big crowd there. Everyone wants to get a drink uh, made by Jerry Jennings. And, uh, you know, 5.30 rolls around. Everyone's like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? About 5.45, he finally walks behind the bar. He looks at me, hey, what, uh, what's in this cocktail here, the J&J? I go, Jerry, that's your cocktail. <laughs> that's the cocktail that you order every time you come in here. It's vodka and pineapple, pineapple juice. And he was just like, oh, right, oh, of course. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> no, I'll never forget that. It was one of those things that like anytime someone ordered a drink, he's like, 
Manhattan. J&J, you got it. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> well, that's what happened when uh, Bill Murray t- tended bar at his son's restaurant in, 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 in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. That he was, every drink that he got, somebody ordered, he'd just pour a shot of tequila. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> my, my, uh, my brother-in-law, is a, his, his brother is a bartender at a, at a, at a pretty well-known uh, hotel in Boston. And very you know, tall, handsome, attractive, personal guy. So he gets women coming in, sort of fawning over him, and they say, Johnny, make me make me your favorite drink. And he's like, you sure? I'm like, yes. He's like, all right, shot of makers, thirteen bucks, thanks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Well, Simplicity. Thanks. Everyone go get a Negroni and uh, enjoy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Thanks, to me. guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers. That was John Fisher, professor at the Culinary Institute of America, along with Rick Sakari and John Curtin of the Albany Distilling Company. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jim Laboulis. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.